0: Hello and welcome to Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian ecosystem podcast. This week, updates and more, and an interview with the CEO of Riata. I'm Ryan Spilkin, and I'm joined today by the wonderful and effervescent Brenda Burrell and Matthew Stubblefield. Hello, Brenda and Matthew.
1: Hello.
2: Ryan, which one of us is wonderful? Which one's effervescent?
1: I'm both. <laughs> <laughs> Brenda
2: claims them both. <laughs> yeah, there, I, should have, I, yeah, I
0: should have put it that way. Um, I would let you, the <laughs> listeners, decide... So let's jump right to it, because we have got a lot of stuff to go over today, folks. Um, First of all, there's an update to Jira, Jira 8.4.1. And, you know, I looked at it and said, well, there's just one item fixed in this update. Total meh. Meh. And then Matthew had the foresight to actually look at it, and it's way more (laughs) important than than just one little measly update.
2: Yeah, so this bug fix addresses the template injection in the Jira Importers plugin. The one thing to highlight is the comment from David Black, which identifies this as a critical severity uh, bug in terms of security. Fixes have been released for a number of Jira versions. Uh, Take a look at uh, the link in the SoundCloud description so you can pop out to that ticket and uh, get updated so you can keep your system secure. Uh, All that said, uh, you do have to be a Jira administrator to exploit this. Hopefully, your JIRA administrators are not looking to exploit your security vulnerabilities. I look at it, and I go, is it really... It's critical severity, but what's the likelihood of it being triggered? Well, I mean, you Seems just to told low. everybody
0: how to do it, so...
2: I know, I know. Anyways, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's worth upending your, your sort of upgrade schedule, but since it is rated here as critical, we wanted to highlight it. Another thing to highlight is uh, if you were on cloud and you don't have it lasting access, uh, you probably can't use SAML anymore. And as Ryan pointed out when we were reviewing articles, uh, all of you cloud users already know this because (laughs) you would have lost access on September 24th if you were using SAML without it lasting access. Uh, I wanted to include the story because any of you who are thinking about cloud but didn't want it lasting access, uh, this means you won't be able to use SAML for single sign-on. Not going to happen. So yeah, yep. So uh, access is the way. And uh, sticking with the cloud updates, we're going to link to a, a page related to the new Jira issue view, which really is less new as time goes on, but it is ever-changing. Uh, one thing that's particularly new is on this page, uh, they've added a latest updates, which is quite nice. So we you know look at our regular uh, Jira cloud uh, view to see what the updates are. We're going to link directly to the article this time so that you can see the more visible configuration for issue layout. There's a button, it's more visible than it was, hooray. Hit the button, hit the button.
0: And while you're hitting buttons, be sure that you hit the upgrade button if you're a user of Portfolio for Jira. And why? Because Portfolio is on version 3.11 now, Whoa. They've added support for label custom fields. They've expanded the accessibility that we have spoke about previously into Portfolio as well with new lozenges. So these are easier to see. And hey, now it works with Jira 8.4. So uh, Portfolio, got an update. Yeah.
1: On the subject of updates, Bitbucket Server 6.7 has released a number of exciting updates. Uh, First and foremost, uh, mirror farms for scalable CI CD. If you're not familiar with the term mirror farm, it's a cluster of mirrors running behind a load balancer, gives you greater capacity and higher availability. Um, Also some improvements with smart mirroring, um, improved file search, some additional supported databases, including Amazon Aurora, more control over commit messages, lots more emojis, which is what's really important. I do have to point out, not a lot of GIFs in this particular page. We were disappointed. Really bummed. Um, but a, a comment as well, some advance notice for end of support for Internet Explorer 11. My response to that. Um, which leads me to an article about retiring IE 11 support for all cloud server and data center products was IE 11 still exists, <laughs> but Hey, IE 11 still exists. Um, so in the years that have passed since Microsoft released their edge browser, um, I guess I, there are still people using IE 11. So if you are one of them, please note that seen is beginning to sunset uh, support for IE 11, meaning they will not fix bugs specific to that browser and they will begin to introduce features that aren't compatible.
0: Matthew, you look oh, guilty. Me. You look guilty, like, oh, it's me.
2: <laughs> no. no, I, well, here's the thing I haven't used Internet Explorer in so long. I have no idea what the current version is. I'm like, they're sunsetting IE 11. Was there an IE 12? Are they on? No, 20- oh, they switched
1: to Edge.
0: That's what I thought IE 12 was Edge. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah. It's a, a
1: whole new browser. I just stopped using Microsoft products a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's that. So some notes, some items of note. There's a list of the last IE 11 supported version for Jira Software Service Desk, Confluence, Bitbucket, et cetera. End of support dates. The only date that we have is for Bamboo support, which is September 17th, 2021. Um, but if you're on cloud, all IE support will end on March 31st of next year or so. Um, Uh If you are still using IE11, kindly join 2019 and (laughs) find a, a more compatible browser with these products.
2: That wraps up our release updates and notes. Let's spend a bit of time in review. Specifically, on the developer blog, Atlassian has published a review of Atlas Camp 2019, which they titled Trust, Choice, and Migration. Uh, and so, wanted to make a few comments here. We're not going to like read the whole article for you, but share a little bit of the behind the scenes. Uh, I think, particularly in choice, uh, what we're seeing, and we've commented a little bit on this in the podcast in the past. Choices in the future will include Atlassian Cloud, <laughs> and also probably Atlassian Data Center. <laughs> I, I think, you know, we've, we've talked about changes in the pricing, changes in, in feature sets. We're seeing features only going to cloud, only going to data center. I think server is, uh, I mean, it's not on its last legs, uh, but I, I think the writing's on the wall. I think we're, we're looking at two or three years. And they do highlight, you know, 90% of Atlassian customers start in the cloud. Don't know how many of them stay there, but um, I, I think cloud and data center is, is the future. Um, and... To to kind of address the the need of moving to cloud, uh, there was a lot of emphasis on migration at Atlas Camp this year. I heard a lot of talk and, and summaries and, and roundtables from our developers who uh, came back after Atlas Camp talking about app migration. So we've we've talked in the podcast in the past about Atlassian building migration tools to make it easy to switch from Jira Server or data center to Jira Cloud confluence Server data center to Confluence Cloud and just automate that migration. Well, Lassian has recognized that uh, users really need apps to migrate as well. And uh, they sort of hint at this in this blog post. Uh, what this means for app vendors is uh, potentially a collaboration with Atlassian or something they build on their own to uh, automate that migration. So if you have an app in server, and you want to move to cloud, provided there is, you know, that they've created a cloud app, your configuration, uh, your your scripts, whatever you've got in your workflows, whatever custom fields you've got, whatever, it should just be able to migrate. It should be kind of automatic as much as as possible. Uh, unfortunately, like due to limitations in the cloud API, a lot of apps do have a disparity. They can offer more features in server data center than they can in cloud. So I don't think any migration is going to be foolproof. Um there's, there's likely to be some things that can't migrate, but that should be reported on. So all of that falls under the, the migration piece from Atlas Camp. We're going to see a lot more on that in the coming months. This is not like a year's thing. This is a month's thing. Uh, and certainly by Summit 2020 uh, in Vegas, there will probably be a ton of uh, migration-related news. A lot of app vendors are going to be looking to make that process as smooth and seamless as possible for you.
0: Sounds right, and it all it does strike me that the the coding for this is going to be tricky. There's just they're going to have some serious um, logical hurdles to overcome because of the way the two platforms see the same command.
2: So yeah, it's it's sort of been a chicken and egg thing up to this point. Of Atlassian saying, "Hey, app vendors, uh, get your apps ready for migration," and app vendors saying, "Atlassian, we need you to provide the tools and the API connections for us to do that." Um, because the the cloud, you know, it just hasn't been there. Now, uh, it is it is cooking with, with fire. Like, it's cooking with gas. It's, it's moving much more quickly uh, than uh, than it was, I think. And uh, I think we're going to see a lot of movement in that space soon. A um, few more things in that, that update, but, like, I think that's really the main thing to emphasize is what's the choice going to be? Cloud, data center. And we're going to see a lot more uh, emphasis on making the migration to cloud, easier migration from cloud to data center not hearing a lot about that one you can have it any color you like
0: as long as it's black Uh uh (laughs) uh-huh all right so speaking of apps and um speed and 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 days instead of years um there has been an improvement to the way that jira server handles app management from version 8.2 on one of the biggest hurdles that people were experiencing was making changes to a plugin in the business day. It would become a uh, an event that actually just borked your system for a while. Well, after they made some changes, um, the process for upgrading, changing, and working with apps has gone down dramatically. Pretty significant. Now, I do wish they would have made a GIF out of these graphs, to show that, because that would look really cool to see this big crazy thing get flattened out and become a you know a totally different thing, uh, but we will link you in the SoundCloud description to this article. Follow the instructions, and you'll be able to save. As long as you're on version eight point two or above, you'll be able to make working with your app plugin manager significantly better.
2: This article calls out server specifically, but presumably it'll be coming to to data center and a and a. Upcoming release soon because it's it's not really explicitly a change to Jira Server. It's a change to the Universal Plugin Manager uh, and how it runs the the process of updating an app. So it's it's not about the the management or the like using an app. It's about the upgrade process and how long that takes. Uh, so or installing installing or upgrading working with the Universal Plugin Manager. Uh, gonna have less of an impact on your system going forward. So I assume we will see this in an upcoming data center release as well.
0: I would think you'd just be able to follow those steps on your data center instance, but what do I
1: know? And now for something completely different. (laughs) Um, Atlassian has posted a blog post regarding information silos. Um, So information silos are, it's the phenomenon of data and knowledge getting trapped inside a group. Uh, That could be a team, a department, um, sometimes they're intentionally created. I think we've all been in situations where someone goes, here's a thing, but don't tell anybody else. Um, but it is really ha- it's really easy for them to happen unintentionally as well. And if you have information in emails or Word documents or something, that's, that's knowledge that is only accessible by a certain amount of people. Um, so the blog post goes into six techniques for open and effective communication at work with the interest of trying to break down information silos um, and, and keep things working more smoothly. This is something that is near and near to my heart because I work remotely and it's very often a thing that just happens because of time zones and things like that. Um, so there are six techniques here. One is communicate proactively. And and I I do want to highlight this one. If you have information that may affect someone else's work, let them know, don't wait for them to come ask. It may help them speed things up. There's a point of using email as little as possible. I'll point out it doesn't really tell you what the alternative ought to be. But um, if you're I not using I email... I bet I could guess. I <laughs> um, So, again, email is useful. Internal messaging systems are useful. Face-to-face is useful. Just be thinking about, you know, the modality that you're using. Make your documents discoverable. Hey, use a tool like Confluence. Oh. Make your pages collaborative. Um, You shared chat rooms liberally, Um, so specifically around Slack, obviously, but um, have a Slack channel for a particular project, various interests, your immediate team, so on and so forth. Um, We have a ton of channels here at Adaptivist, which is great, Uh, but it is important to remember it's very easy to do a direct message to someone, but it might be information that impacts someone else. If that's the case, try talking to both of them at the same time. Write it down, write it down, write it down. Um, I'm a big fan of the meeting notes template in Confluence um, to have stuff written down because if someone misses a meeting, they may or may not get stuff communicated to them verbally. Um, And keep it brief and make sure it's relevant. Respect colleagues' time by proactively sharing information with those who can put it to use. Um, If it's only relevant to one or two people, that's fine. Um, But if you follow those six techniques in general, you're going to find that your communication is much more open and proactive. Um, So break down those information silos, help information flow freely, make the world a better place.
0: Listeners, you may remember that a few weeks ago, we covered Atlassian adding an asset management API into Jira Service Desk Cloud. And we said back then, you know what, we're going to reach out to Riata and, um, and see what they have to say about this. Right, Matthew? That's what you said.
2: I, you know, I have a good idea every once in a while.
0: Yeah, well, it was such a good idea that we got the CEO of Riata, Tommy Nordahl, to come on the podcast. Hi, Tommy. Thanks for being here. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Real pleasure. Thanks for taking the time out. So, Tommy, let's get right down to it, man. Um, how do you feel about Atlassian adding asset management into the JSD Cloud experience?
3: Well, I think it's a great idea to, to, to enable vendors to um, interact with JSD Cloud um, in the way that they're doing. Uh, we've been talking with them uh, for quite a while regarding this project, so we're well versed in, in the functionality and the possibility it brings to us and to others. I think it's a great idea because um, asset management is a vital part um, to any modern organization in the cloud. So it needs to be there, and we are also been happy to to join uh, to join the functionality. So insight is available on JSD Cloud.
2: So unlike Ryan and I, who are continually surprised by everything happening everywhere, it sounds like you uh, you knew this was coming. That you you'd been talking with the in advance about it.
3: Yeah, we knew it was coming. So um, we, we um, the, the challenge that we have is that uh, we have this huge uh, and really feature-rich server and data center product in Insight. The, the Insight platform is is quite huge, actually, when it comes to features. So there's always a challenge to to enable that feature set in cloud. So uh, that, that's why we have been, uh, you know, um, working at. You know to understand how we can close the big feature gap that we uh, still have today, and, and we're on it, and I'm happy to, to, to share that. So we'll will we we'll fight. We're fighting really hard to close that gap to make uh, Insight customers in cloud as as happy as they are on on server and data center.
0: Does the Atlassian API feed into Insight?
3: Uh, we can use the API to uh, to enable uh, the user to select assets that are uh, available in Insight. But what differs us is that uh, Insight is actually also available in the, in, in the JSD UI. Which means that you don't need to switch to a third-party UI to see your assets or see details or navigate your, your asset database. Uh, just like it works for, for server and data center, it's available inside the UI of Jira. Uh, so you can be in context when uh, either working with JSD tickets or working with the assets themselves. We think that's a pretty, you know, it's pretty necessary and pretty powerful to not be forced to switch UI when you need to uh, visit the details of your CMDB or your asset management database.
2: Yeah, very cool. So from my sort of external view, because I haven't gotten hands-on with it, it looks like this uh, asset field that Atlassian add to cloud is um, just like a system field that can be queried, can be added to the customer portal. Uh, Do you think Atlassian is going to go further, start adding JSD reports on assets or anything like that? Or do you think they're just adding this field and they'll kind of leave the rest of the heavy lifting to Insight?
3: Um, I, I can't really, uh, can't really uh, comment on, on on that. I I don't know. Uh, but what I do know is that we are fully focused to provide sophisticated reports in in JSD Cloud for all your assets available in Insight. Uh, but the, as you mentioned, this feel is is kind of a pretty pretty important thing for us and and for others, I guess, because that feel is the field that you need to use to visualize and to list your assets and to make make them searchable for for the end user so it's it is what it is and that's what we need to to uh, to work with um, in, in server data center we have our own really powerful custom field that can be well let's say um, uh, adjusted and used in, in a richer way than it's available on cloud today so that's how it is. But, uh, but the field gives us possibility to, to list all the assets on the, in Insight uh, in that field.
0: For our developers listening, if you were working with Insight on your Jira instance, do they have access to an API out of uh, Insight?
3: So right now on the 30th of September, we, we don't have... Uh, uh, we, we are have not uh, enabled the APIs for Insight for Jira Cloud yet, but uh, we are going to in the very near future. Uh, so you will be able to use the API to um, uh, import assets into Insight in JSD Cloud.
2: So one of the things that I've seen from Atlassian in the past, they often um, kind of avoid adding features that are provided by apps. They want to maintain and encourage that sort of rich ecosystem in the marketplace. This is just one field, but you know, I was curious your perspective. Do you view this as, uh, if we think about a SWOT analysis, you know, is this a threat where they might be moving into this and and cutting in a little bit, or you know, for people who are looking for very simple stuff, do you think this might uh, impact Insight negatively, or do you see it as an opportunity to to spread the word about asset management a little bit and? and you know, help people see the possibilities there, you know, sort of how you seen it from a business perspective?
3: Yeah, I, I, I think it's a good question. And I, and I definitely see this as an opportunity because asset management is actually a really wide definition, right? It comes from the simplest of needs. Uh, you wanting to list and control 10 or 100 of your computers or or some network segments or elements that you're interested in. But if you scale that up to to where we are on, on, on server data center you you can manage millions and millions of different things that actually that are valuable for you as an organization i'm not talking about it assets you know only uh our customers are, are using insight to manage uh, parts of the hr process parts of their legal process of compliance process and stuff like that so uh, i i it depends on how you see Asset management—it's it, a real for us. It's a really wide definition. We see it as as managing things that are important for an organization. It can be people. It can be uh, intangible assets. It can be uh, physical hardware, software. You name it: cars, tables. You know, whatever it is, right? So there are there are certain uh, you know there are solutions out there that do. Uh, minor stuff that are only focusing maybe on the IT side of things, uh, being it possible to sniff your network like our discovery tool does, uh, import those elements into a database and have them there, that's it. Uh, but but we are taking on a much, much larger scope. So I think it's perfect that Atlassian enabled this possibility in cloud for both the more niche vendors and for vendors like ourselves, like with that kind of scope that we are... So you can start on different levels depending on where you are in in your needs and grow from there. So I think it's a great opportunity.
0: So you've already let it go that that there is an Insight API coming to cloud at an undisclosed date. Can you tell us a little bit more about where Insight's headed
3: next? Yeah, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I mean, what we're trying to to do is to close the feature gap that we have uh, between server data center and cloud, which means that we will Um, worked tirelessly on on getting both our uh, import engine uh, onto cloud as well, uh, our report framework, um, and uh, both reports, imports, and automation and everything like that up onto cloud. So that's what we're working heavily on, and and we will be occupied for for a while with that task. It's, It's super important for us, and we hear it from our customers loud and clear. So when we have unleashed the full server and data center power of Insight onto cloud, we have a, an extremely powerful solution uh, together with, uh, with the tools from Atlassian.
0: Tommy, thank you so much for providing us with your time and giving us some fantastic insight into the world of Insight. Tommy Nordahl, <laughs> CEO of Riata, thank you so much.
3: Thank you, guys.
0: Thank you. All right, one more thing before we're done for this edition of Adaptivist Live. Are you in London? Cool. Are you headed to Slack Frontiers on October seventeenth? Even cooler. You know why? You guys don't want to guess. Okay, fine.
1: Because Slack Frontiers is happening on October seventeenth.
0: No, because we're gonna be That's there, fine. Brenda. We're gonna be there. So come say hi. Huh. Not, not the three of us.
1: Yeah, I'm not going. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not that cool.
0: I'm also not. Nope.
1: Not, no. not that cool. Yeah,
0: we're not that cool. But Adaptivist will be there. So if you're headed to Slack Frontiers in London on October 17th, stop by the Adaptivist booth and uh, tell them that you wish that they had brought us over. <laughs>
2: yeah. so. And for those of you who aren't yet planning on going to Slack Frontiers, but now totally will be, uh, it's worth your time. There's a lot of uh, great talks on the agenda, a lot of interesting speakers. Uh, you can also learn a little bit about developing for Slack. Uh, I actually uh, led a team for a recent hack day, sort of similar to Alassian ShipIt. Uh, we were able to throw together an app in less than a day uh, to teach people new things related to Alassian. Uh, we're using it internally at Adaptivist. Pretty cool. So if you have ever been interested in developing for Slack or you wanted to learn more about using it, so yeah, stop by, see some Adaptivist folks at the booth who are you know, cooler than us, That's it goes. And we'll have uh, to settle
1: with wonderful and effervescent, I guess.
2: Yeah. I mean you you can. I got nothing. But uh yeah. Be a good time for those in London wanting to learn more about either developing for or using Slack.
0: And that's it for this edition of Adaptivist Live. Are you having fun with Adaptivist Live? I know we are. Uh feel free to like and share this podcast wherever fine podcasts are liked and shared. Also, keep up with us on social media at adaptivist i didn't even ask them to email us this episode guys i didn't even ask. that's good so if you want to email us do it at learn at adaptivist.com for brenda burl and matthew stubblefield i'm ryan spilkin and we'll see you next time on adaptivist live are you in the bay area Come see me on October 10th in Oakland for Tech and Transformation in Gaming. Head over to Adaptivist.com and under Company, click on Events to register now.